Hello, welcome back to the Circus of Life. We are picking straight up where we left off with Jodie after part one. So I really hope you enjoy the end of our conversation here and I will see you at the end. Jumping back a little bit um, mm-hmm. with, with regards to vocal quality when, when recording, sure. um, you have a lot of expertise in how sound influences a listener. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of a voice artistry, I myself don't have much knowledge or experience in, in this area. So could, could you just kind of expand a little bit on, on how sound can influence it? And then I guess we'll kind of tangent off from there. <laughs> well, I have in my podcast, I talk about this a lot. And one of the foundational interviews that I had was with Steve Keller, who is the sonic strategy director for Sirius XM and all of their properties. And like, it's huge. He has a, an ad agency called Studio Resonate, mm-hmm. and they do a lot of experimentation there. And one of the things that he told me was that they had a, this is, I think, back in 2016, they had a, uh, I guess it was like a launch for a new drink. It was a, a, a like a Gatorade-like mm-hmm. drink. So like a an energy drink kind of deal after exercising, yeah. you know, kind of thing called Propel. And they, in this launch, they had DJ stations set up with people able to listen in headphones while they dialed in on an iPad, whether they wanted the drink to taste saltier or sweeter. Okay. So what they were hearing was influencing whether they experienced salt or sweet on their taste buds. Right. Okay. And, and people were tasting the drink and listening and just like... Their eyes were widening and they didn't understand what was going on. But yeah, so neurologically, our brain is wired such that one sense influences another. And we don't exactly know how that works precisely <laughs> at the moment. My mind. It, yeah, but he blew my mind. Exactly. He told me about this. And, and they've been experimenting with sustainable foods that may not necessarily be palatable, like mouthfeel wise. Mm-hmm. But if you're listening to something, then you get a different experience, you know, like this kind of thing. Like, um, I think they were experiment experimenting with, I think it might have been like squid or something like that. Okay. Like, like it was, it was a sustainable fish, seafood, something or other that was plentiful, but that you wouldn't necessarily thought have thought to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And that uh, I, I don't know. I know people eat squid, but like not everyone eats squid. Yeah. Anyway, so there are all sorts of ways to, to handle this also uh, with lessening stress and, uh, you know, listening to things and, and um, in healing environments, for instance, mm-hmm. The, the beeps in, in hospitals are, for instance, keeping us sick because they're so intrusive and they're alarms when they don't need to be alarms. They're indications. They don't need to be an alarm. Mm-hmm. And yet they're alarming to the people who are hearing them. And that is the patients. That's the doctors. That's the nurses. That's the cleaning staff. That's everybody yeah. in that hospital who works there. And uh, I had an interview with someone named David Schutz, who is a 
a professor at McGill University, and he's a percussion, a percussionist. He's a specialist in that. But he talked about how the beeps in hospitals are essentially killing us because it's keeping us from getting better. Wow. And and his mother-in-law is a nurse, <laughs> and she called it a beeping hellscape. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. And I'm sure this is the same in the UK. I mean, it's certainly the same in Canada. It's, yeah. it, it's everywhere yeah, yeah. because we had so few of these machines in the 50s, let's say, when they were first introduced. Mm. And, and then... Now we have so many of these different things, but they're all using the same sounds as they were using like 50 years ago. Yeah, no, no right? you're right. And there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I think they're working on it now and they're trying to improve the environment a little bit. And I think there are varying hospitals that are okay. getting that right or not. But um, but yeah, it's it's something that really people should be paying attention to because sound influences how well we recover from injury. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things that sound influences. So it influences what we taste, it influences what we buy, and it influences how we heal. Mm-hmm. So these are all very important things to pay attention yeah. to. Wow. And is that, and do you think that's, uh, I guess, when, when it, it, in the adverts and the, the narration and, and voice art, is that is that just more in the in the music side of things, or or can that come across in vocal quality as well? Is that is that a uh, a technique that's used in different types of of work? I think it can. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with ASMR. I, I, I know I know of it. I, I don't know that you know the of it. Okay. Okay. Science. Yeah. So ASMR does have, I mean, it depends. It depends on what you're watching, but a lot of ASMR does have vocal qualities to it. Mm -hmm. And ASMR is in general used for people to calm anxiety. Yes. So it's, it's a, a combination of watching something on a screen and hearing someone whisper or uh, speak very quietly or move their hands over different objects or tap or, you know, um, uh, all sorts of different things. But but in general, it's meant to calm anxiety. Mm. And I think that the human voice definitely has that quality. When you're telling, when you're singing a lullaby or you're telling a, a bedtime story to a child, you're not screaming. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, you're not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so there are, there are times when it's more appropriate mm. and when it can be put to better use. And I think that it depends, as far as voice acting is concerned, it depends on the industry. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, healthcare, really, when you're voicing something for healthcare, calmness, without being somber, without being sad, mm-hmm. with a note of hopefulness, yeah. is really where you want to be. Okay. Yeah. So... And, you know, tech, again, you may not have a smile in your voice, but you want to sound like you know what you're talking about yeah. because people want to know you're the expert. Mm-hmm. Usually when you're doing a commercial or a corporate narration for a tech company, they want you to sound like you know what you're talking about. Yeah. And and there is a different vocal quality for that, too. Mm-hmm. So really, it just depends on what industry you're vocalizing in. And what the purpose of the ad is or what the purpose of the narration is. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. 
So interesting about how those sounds affect you, especially the hospital one. That that's really, oh really yeah, resonate with that one. I mean, I've unfortunately spent quite a bit of time in hospital recently with with, with family things. But but you, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It, but yeah, but you're, you're so right. You walk in and it's it's got such a weight, and and yeah. you don't know why. I mean, there was moments where where we'd sat there and talked, going, you know, these beeps don't help because you do, you panic for no reason. When you yeah, you to. do. I mean. Exactly. And they're, they're indications. Yeah. They're, they're for information. They're not for alarms. Yeah. And, and, and it's, they're just, they don't need to be there no. is, is yeah. And, or they could be much more pleasant sounds mm. that would blend into the background. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be, you know, and then, then, then the alarm would actually make more sense. <laughs> then, you know, okay, it's go time. <laughs> You'd think, I mean, like all of the doctors and nurses that work in a hospital, they have to tune all this out on a regular basis. Mm. So when an alarm actually happens, you know, sometimes I, I gather maybe it could be missed yeah. because all of the stuff around it is so alarming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm going to spin this conversation right around real quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Go for from, it. I'm all game. tone of conversation. <laughs> um, I'm just curious. I mean, I, I know there's kind of some obvious uh, answers to this, but but from your experience, because you've seen both sides of this, um, wh- what are the the kind of key differences between recording spoken voice and sung voice, and when, when you're singing and recording songs? I I think that there's a lot more emphasis now, as far as the speaking, to being genuine, authentic. Um, you know, just talking as if you're talking to a friend or having coffee with someone or something like mm-hmm. that. So commercially wise, that's where a lot of that is going, at least in the US. Okay. That's where a lot of it is, yeah. is heading. And when you're singing, it's more um, emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it's it's more emotional. But they have a lot of similarities too, because there's an up and down to uh, the voice. There's an up and down to the singing. There are different times when you might cut out breaths or when you leave them in. Mm-hmm. Um, leaving in breaths is generally because of a performance. Yeah. So in, in singing, you don't necessarily need to have every single breath in there because mm-hmm. sometimes they can become very distracting. Yeah. It depends. And it's the same with voiceover. The The breaths can be distracting and, and they'll take them out unless it's a part of the actual performance. Yeah. Like if you're being a real person and you're like sighing or something like mm-hmm. that, or, you know, you're taking in a deep breath because you're about to say something you don't want to say, yeah. <laughs> you know, like this kind of a, a thing, uh-huh. then yeah, you'd leave in the breaths. But otherwise, yeah, you may want to get rid of them. So it, it just, it depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. I've done live performance as well. And live performance, when you're on a stage singing, Mm. you want to get as much of that emotion into your voice as possible. Yeah. Whereas in in a speaking situation, you may want to hold back just a little bit. Like it depends. It depends on what the, the thing is. But in general, in a commercial, you don't want to be overly out there. Yeah. You know, too much is too much. 
<laughs> you know, you're going to tune that out. You're not going to want to hear yeah. that. It's not going to land with yeah. you. But in a song, it's meant to be too much. Like as much as you could put out mm -hmm. there in a song, just go for yeah. it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think it depends on, yeah, I think it depends on the situation. I think it depends on, um, on how much emotion you want to convey mm -hmm. and what that emotion is. Yeah. And and what the genre is? Yeah, yeah, I see. Interesting. I think because I think it's interesting because a lot of or the majority of of the audience or the people who will listen to this uh, are from a musical theatre background, whether in training or in okay. their first couple of years within the industry, so yeah. establishing themselves and learning that. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to learn some of this this voice art work and know those differences and similarities there, but. I think a really interesting question would be is would you have also this is your this is your full-time career yeah. your job voice artist work for myself voice art is is definitely something I'd like to explore and and learn and mm -hmm. develop and and just being able to talk to you this early on is incredibly valuable and so that, that's why I wanted to share it and I think a lot of people will be thinking the same thing they, they want to try and break into some of this work but I also want to still do my stage work, musical theatre and singing in that. Do you have any advice to, to to the likes of myself who want to break into this, but it's not going to be 100% of the work I want to do? So what do you think is the best kind of approach to to learning and working enough to, to make it grow and, you know, you're not just dabbling and forgetting some things? How, how, do we, how do we find that balance? I think balance is the key word here. Yeah, it, it's um, it's probably going to be a little tricky, and uh, I won't lie that it's not easy to get into this business, at, especially now because it's kind of saturated. Sure. <laughs> um, there's more work than ever, though. So I, it's not that I don't think that people can't make it just because there's a lot of people doing mm -hmm. it, but um, I will say that there's something that, as a musical theater person, you probably need to pay attention to, and that is mic technique, and. Yeah. Uh, one big thing that you're going to find a difference between as far as singing on stage and using a mic is that the mic does a lot of the projection for you. Mm -hmm. So you want to learn good mic technique while you're doing voiceover because it's not going to apply to you when you're on stage, yes. likely. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it depends. Like, I know that a lot of people have like that you're things and mm. you know like you're using a mic on stage just not in the same way yeah they're very but different. you're not projecting in the same way you're letting the mic do its work for okay. you when you're doing voice work mm. and you definitely want a condenser mic of some kind yeah you don't want a dynamic mic okay. to use for for uh, voice work yeah. because dynamic mics are they're they're muddy they're a little muddy when it comes to the nuances of the voice right. So, you know, even if you're recording singing, I still would recommend a good uh, large condenser um, uh, mic mm -hmm. because a, a dynamic mic is great when you're on stage, when you're doing a live performance, because you, you can't really break it with a scream. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, so it's fantastic that way. But if you're really using the mic close up and you're singing to record, mm -hmm you definitely want a condenser mic of some kind. Sure. Usually XLR with an audio interface. Yeah. But this is, for instance, a USB mic. Mm -hmm. It's plugged right into my computer. 
when I do my interviews on podcasts and when I do my own podcast interviews, this is the mic I use. Okay. When I'm doing my work in, in the booth, I'm using a Sennheiser 416, which is a shotgun uh, condenser mic. Okay. So yeah. So, so yeah, think about the mic you're using. Think about your mic technique. Mm -hmm. And if you can get coaching on that, so much the better, yeah. because then you'll have some actual stuff to put in front of you that will be different from the musical theater. Mm -hmm. And definitely coaching will help. Coaching is, I mean, I think it's a great idea. Yeah for for voiceover in general just to know that you can be competitive mm -hmm. and then go and make yourself a good demo because yeah. then that demo is your business card that's the way that you get clients and what do you think and a good website helps you to be able to put that business card yeah. on the yeah, web <laughs> promote it, promote it. what yeah. do you think makes a good demo oh that's such a good question <laughs> and it's such a difficult one too <laughs> You know, it depends on what genre you're in sure. and it depends on what country you're in. Sure, okay. Because I know, for instance, in the UK, you guys get hired on your demos a lot more often than we do in North America. Oh, okay. We're often asked to do auditions. Right. Like okay. auditions all day long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they'll listen to like 500 auditions and then choose the one person who's going to get the job. Mm -hmm. They don't typically decide who they're going to hire directly from the demo. Right. And and from what I understand, that happens a lot more in in the UK and in Europe yeah. than it does here. So I would say your demo needs to demonstrate, if that's what it's for, mm -hmm. what you can do reliably without many multiple cut and pastes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you need to be able to be in a live session and recreate what's on that demo. Mm-hmm. Because if you make something in that demo that's so highly produced that you could never in a million years recreate it when someone's actually live directing you, you've misled the client mm. and they're not going to be happy with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what coaching is good for. It gets you to the point where you're confident enough that you can match what's on the demo. Mm. And, the, and a good coach will help you get to the point where you can make a demo that will demonstrate what you actually sound like, yeah. what your tone is, what your vibe is, what industries you work well in, mm -hmm. whether you can handle a national campaign. You know, do you sound like you could? Mm -hmm. um, do you have different ways of getting your point across? So can you sound really real person? And, or, you know, can you do like a high-end retailer, a retail read, you know, which is really much more maybe put on, I guess. It's like yeah. the happy, smiley voice, right? Yeah, yeah. But but it's still pleasant. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it demonstrates what industries you are a part of, what you could work in, and what you might want to be in in the future. Sure. So that's why a lot of demos, not all of them, but a lot of them are created from scratch. They're not from work done. Yeah. Uh, the reason is because work done is stuff you've already done. Mm -hmm. So if you want your demo to demonstrate what you'd like to be doing, <laughs> sure, yes, Stay you're not going to get that into the demo yeah, the unless you make it. <laughs> uh -huh. No, that, that makes yeah. sense. I feel like I feel like that's actually quite an easy point to overlook. What you, yeah, I, I think it is. And and I think that, again, it depends. Like, I know a lot of people in L.A. 
when they make a demo, it's from work they've already done mm. because they've done a ton of stuff yeah. and they do a ton of stuff and maybe they've already got the work they want. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, I'm always striving. I don't know about you. I'm I'm never quite happy sitting in one place for too long. No, like you said, you get bored. What's, what's yeah, exactly. What I get bored. Yeah. Yep. So that's why my demo demonstrates what I can do, what I have done, and what I'd like to do. Amazing. I think that translates really nicely to to, to this audience. Um, it really it really hits home with the musical theatre side as well, especially with like vocal reels and show reels, mm-hmm. because. Yeah hands up there are parts of my show is is work that i've done and and there's nothing wrong with that at all no no and i mean there isn't it's, it's there because I'm, I'm proud of it and i think it's good work but then, sure. then there yeah. is a part of me thinking that no you're so right i've i've gone and done that what do i want to do i should be tailoring no you're right and i think i think it'll be it's more of a reminder i think no no yeah you're yeah. right that's actually you, you can get caught up sometimes so i think that's a that's a great point actually that's gonna hit home with quite a few people And it's not like you shouldn't have stuff on your reel that you've done. I mean, definitely. But if you're only including that, Mm. maybe you're not quite doing yourself the service you'd like to. Yeah, you're kind of perhaps putting yourself into a niche. Yes. You know, unintentionally, perhaps. And intentionally, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so true, so true. I love it. I wasn't expecting that kind of realization today. <laughs> there we are. Oh, I'm there glad. Um, let, let's finish mm-hmm. off with with something just a little a little light. Um, one final question in two parts. Uh, what is something you find really challenging about your career, and what is your favorite aspect of your career? Uh, getting new clients actually, because you're always losing clients. Right. That's. I mean, actually, Doug Turkell, who's a friend of mine, who's another really good. Um, marketing master. He he does this really well. This is, I think, something that he said to me and to many others. You are always losing clients. You don't know it. Mm-hmm. You don't all, like people aren't always telling you, you know, yeah. oh, you suck. I'm going somewhere else. That's not what they're saying. They're just, you know, they're just moving on to other other voice talent. They're leaving the industry. They're doing something different. They, you know, this campaign that you were doing for a long time needs to go in a different direction. So they're using someone else. There's like, there's all sorts of a myriad of reasons why you wouldn't be their first choice for voice talent anymore. And that happens on a regular basis. I'm sure it happens daily. Mm -hmm. So the, the simple fact of the matter is you always need to be getting new clients. And that is hard. That's that's a difficult process, especially when you work on a regular basis already, because there's not a lot of time to do that. Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then suddenly you find yourself with a lot of wide open days. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to fill the time. And, yeah, that's not a that's not a good way no. to go. So <laughs> you want to make sure that you're constantly feeding the machine, sure. and uh, that can be a tough part mm. of the industry. Yeah. And as far as what I love about the industry is for me, it's different every day. And I patterned my career that way for that reason. So as we said before, my five minutes of finished audio or less means that I can do four or five jobs in a day and the client can just come to me on that day and say, oh, I need this. You know, we don't really need it from, you know, until Friday, but, you know, but I know you and you'll have it done in a half (laughs) an hour. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've already done it. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, I have that relationship with my clients in that they understand that my, I hate having anything in my inbox. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I just do. Yeah. And so what happens for me is as jobs come into my inbox, I take care of them and it's easy enough to do that. Yeah. But that does mean that there's something different every day. Yeah. yeah. Every day is different. And I love that. Amazing. That that feeds my soul. <laughs> that, that's it. That's 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 the creative itch that, that we need, isn't it? It keeps me from being bored because I hate being bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, look, Jody, thank you for this amazing conversation. This was fantastic. I had a great time talking oh, with you. I'm, thank I'm glad. you. I'm glad. I've really enjoyed it. I've, I've learned so much and I, I, I really hope and I'm pretty sure that the audience is going to enjoy this too. So, so yeah. I hope so. <laughs> massive, massive thank you. Thank you very much. And best of luck to all of your listeners too. Thank you. And unfortunately, we do have to end the conversation at some point. But I mean, I'm sure you'll agree we could have talked to Jodie for, for hours on end, picking her brains about her knowledge. And and I learned so much in that conversation. Um, wow, I feel very fortunate to, to have done that. I hope you enjoyed it too. Uh, as always, do let me know. Do get in touch. I really appreciate it. Um, Everything we talked about and links to, to Jody's work will be in the description, episode description, as always. I do encourage you to, to, to go and check out her website and see some of her demos because, I mean, they are just exemplary and so many different styles, again, like I said. So, so you'd be doing yourself a favour to check it out. Uh, as always, until next time, all the best, all the love, and we will see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>